0: What's up everyone, welcome to 2022, and welcome to the first episode of Solana Cove in 2022. I'm your host Louis, and Solana Cove is of course where we go deep with the builders behind the most exciting new products on Solana. Today I'm chatting with Barrett from Cypher. Barrett and his team are building expiratory futures on Solana, and they're looking to bring pre-IPO and IDO tokens to the space, so that we can trade the tokens before they even go live. I met Barrett at Breakpoint, and it was such a pleasure to chat with him then, and it was a real blast to have him on the show. If you're a bit intimidated by DeFi, don't worry, we lay the financial foundations for you to understand Cypher. Heads up, my audio is not quite to its normal quality levels. Don't worry, we'll have it back to normal for the next episode, and apologies for that. Uh, I'm very excited to chat with Barrett. We first met at Breakpoint about a month or so ago, and we had a great chat. Uh, So I'm really excited now to catch up with him again. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, It's good to see you again, too. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. So let's kick things off first. Uh, If you could just give us a bit of a background about yourself and maybe how you came into crypto.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So my background comes from like finance uh, and mathematics uh i was actually originally doing like research on sea ice movement uh for antarctica and its effects on biomass production and then found out that the same pde we were using to model sea ice movement prices financial derivatives so moved into like deriving numerical methods for asset pricing models like stochastic volatility um and then wrote some like stock price prediction algorithms, um, and then was in like in industry as like a data scientist and engineer for a handful of years. Uh, built, you know, wild variety of models from like personality clustering to, for job role placement, um, reverse engineering, phone numbers, geolocation, bunch of natural language processing stuff. Um, built some stuff in FinTech, like recommendation engines for identifying LPs for emerging funds. Um, recommendation engine for identifying startups for investors and um, investors for early stage startups that were looking to raise capital. Um, And then, you know, ended up leaving my like last organization during like the pandemic, uh, because there's no better time to start something than in utter chaos, right. Uh, (laughs) And, um, you know, kind of was just like, we had an idea of like democratizing access to private capital markets. And then, uh, ended up settling on blockchain uh, and specifically Solana to, to to build the application on, just because the ethos of um, you know democratization, open finance is is uh, very aligned with what we were trying to to build, um, and that's kind of like how I became like involved with like Solana and like a quote unquote builder, right? Um, I guess originally um, like back in like 2012, you know. Purchase some bitcoins for you know purposes like poker online uh, and stuff like that, and then kind of just been like on and off paying for paying attention to like the the space for quite some time, uh, and then um, really like took the leap earlier
0: uh, this year to like start uh, you know a protocol. Interesting. So yeah, I think a lot of us were we kind of heard about Bitcoin at some point, and then. Probably every time the price went up a lot, then we became we we sort of heard about it again and were re looking into it. So it's interesting that when you first came up with the idea, it wasn't like you were in crypto and then looking for something to build. You already had the concept, and then the the crypto implementation was the best implementation that you could find. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, so we we're like looking to build a derivatives exchange for trading pre IPO assets. Um, and we're like, okay, like how do we build this? And and look through like the many different options uh, being centralized, um, like the regulatory landscape, what does it take to get derivatives approved for trading, um, et cetera, and then, you know, Explored like opportunities in blockchain and DeFi. And it was like, well, this makes a lot more sense to like get something like off the ground. Uh, The ethos is like very aligned to what we're trying to do. Um, And so that's kind of like how we ended up choosing blockchain uh, like to build upon and then, you know, doing research on a number of the different chains um, back in like January. um, And, you know, came across Solana from a friend who was actually at a hacker house that we were hosting um, in Salt Lake last January and February. Uh, he made an intro to somebody, they made an intro to Ben, um, at Solana, Ben Sparengo, uh, and ended up chatting with Ben. And I was like, you know, it was like, well, this, like this, this chain makes a lot of sense from like, you know, throughput and transaction cost. Um, and they already had, you know, serum was like live at that point. And I'm a big fan of like an order book. And so it just made sense to, to like build on top of Serum and Solana.
0: Yeah, I'd love to hear a bit more about that a bit later, but first for the uninitiated listener, can we can you just describe very briefly what Cypher is? And then we can sort of lay out a bit like the different financial building blocks for, pe- for people to understand what that actually means, but maybe we can just start with what Cypher is.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. So uh, at its core, Cypher is a, um, expiratory futures protocol um for you know synthetic assets right uh, and what that means is we just don't necessarily need the underlying asset to be locked into the protocol to create some sort of like financial exposure um and so in a futures product is you know an an asset that is trading on some like future valuation uh of, of that asset right so you know like let's say today um you know bitcoin's trading at like 50,000 or whatever it is. I haven't looked at the price. So don't know, don't, don't kill me. Um, and like, you know, maybe in like three months, I'm like, yo, I think it'll be, you know, it'll be higher. So I'll buy like a futures contract in the long run, because I'm banking that this asset is going to appreciate in that particular amount of time. Um, and, and then these markets do expire, right? And so that's like a little different than some of the other like derivatives, like futures protocols out there, which are perpetual. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a you know generalizable synthetic futures uh, protocol on Solana.
0: Okay, so for the less financially uh, educated individual, can we unpack a little bit the diff firstly maybe what a future is and then the difference between perpetuals versus the expiratory future that you were just describing?
1: Yeah, of course. so um, what a future product is is, is a it's a derivative that is like tied to some underlying asset. Um, But you're trading the what you think this assets price will be in the future. uh, Normally, right. Um, And so if you're bullish, right, you'll buy into a future, um, because you think the asset will appreciate right. And if you're bearish, um, means you think the assets going to go down, right, you'll short, uh, or you'll write a futures contract. Um, on that asset. And then, you know, when it expires, right, you're going to net the difference and, you know, what you purchase that asset at and what it expires at. So that's kind of like what a futures product is in general. The difference between perpetuals and dated futures is a little bit more nuanced, right? Um, so perpetuals, are essentially just like a levered product to trade spot, right? Like perpetuals are like soft pegged, and by soft pegged, I mean like they use utilize like the funding rate to push the derivative price to the spot price. Um, but you if you like buy into a perpetual, like go long uh perpetual future on like Solana, right? You're you're like, I just believe Solana will perpetually increase in price um, until I exit my position, right. Uh, or you could take a short position and you're perpetually short for, you know, until you exit that position. The cool thing about like dated futures or expiratory futures, right. Um, is that you can place like more nuanced trading opinions on them, right. Cause they have an expiratory date. Um, and that means you're not like necessarily reliant upon like a funding rate to push the price of the derivative somewhere. Right. Um, whether that's back to spot or some other metric you're looking for. Um, and so it, that allows you to place like calendar spreads, right? So like, let's say, you know, over the next um, like 30 days, I'm bullish on Solana. Uh, I'll buy like long on like some futures contract that expires in 30 days. And like, maybe I'm bearish on Solana in like 90 days, right? Or, or 60 days. So I could take a short position on that. And that allows you to place like these very um, specific trading strategies that are utilized a lot in uh, like traditional finance, right? Um, And I think that that just enables like more complex trading strategies and and more nuanced opinions about markets in general. Um, And then since you're not um, like utilizing like funding rate um, for uh, the like keeping the price like pegged to something, um, it shows like a better understanding of like, uh, you know, price discovery right like oh like hey like look we're not having to be tied so like let's trade this asset up because i think you know at the end of 30 days like solana will be at i don't know 200 right um and then at execution right we cipher um or like another expiratory uh futures protocol would just expire to like the spot price right meaning that like you know like they're gonna converge right so as like time to expiration um decreases uh in like when you get to like really small like day or like you know intraday to expiration you'll typically see um the future futures product from like an expiratory or dated uh, sense would converge directly to the spot because the like it's going to expire and so like it might as well be like trading at spot price
0: and there's no more time for the price to sort of diverge okay clear so just to to summarize the perpetual is like you're saying the orange will be worth more or less and the dated is like you're saying it'll be worth more or less, but at a certain time point in the future. Um, Okay, all clear. I think hopefully everyone followed along there. And in terms of perpetuals on Solana right now, you you might've heard of mango drift uh, zero one. This is in that kind of bucket. Okay, so I think there we're clear. And so now with Cypher, we we can be trading these, these dated futures or these expiratory futures uh, and what is the first space or the first product that you would be looking to be making tradable?
1: Yeah. So we're again, you know, back to kind of like where we had originally started with uh, like pre-public markets. Uh, those are going to be the initial markets for for Cypher, right? So we're uh, individuals and institutions will be able to trade uh, exposure to pre-public organizations like Stripe, ByteDance and Kraken. Those are actually like the three initial markets for Cypher um, for a myriad of reasons. Uh, And then we're also going to be launching pre-token markets. Uh, So this is like being able to trade Drift or Zeta or Cy Options before they have their IDL, right? Allowing, you know, again, very similar to that of like the pre-IPO space, uh, bringing that price discovery forward. Um, enabling you know these protocols to understand like what their market value truly is and and what they should have their IDO or listing at you know if they don't cho- if they choose not to do an IDO um, and then also allow for that retail uh, and other institutions to gain that exposure before an organization were to you know have their public offering right.
0: I guess a side question, but can you make a pre-IDO token for any protocol or? Do you need to confirm, like, do they need to announce the token first? Or Because, for example, OpenSea, I think everyone wants or MetaMask, like everyone is always, there's always rumors, you know, that they're going to release a token. Would this be possible for any protocol or is it like you wait until they announce the token and then you create the market?
1: Yeah, so great question. Uh, in theory, we don't have to wait for them to announce a token, right? Um, but for pre-token markets, um, I think initially what Cypher is going to be doing is like working more closely with like a protocol. So market would be created, you know, for like a week to a month prior to their IDO to really just like enable that like price discovery, right? Um, and, and, you know, work more in tandem with with the protocols to help them, you know, bring that forward. Um, whereas like the pre IPO space, right? That is, you know, those are more like extended dated right? Like we don't necessarily know when a organization is going to go uh, public. Um, and so those are, you know, you can set backstops in there to be like, Hey, like if this protocol hasn't, or this like company or protocol hasn't gone public in like 36 months, right. It will settle to some, uh, predetermined evaluation, right. Um, which would be like known to everybody before market was, you know, initializing people are trading obviously. Um, but that is like a way. So in theory, yes, you can, uh, for these pre-token markets, like, you know, a market could be spun up around MetaMask uh, if the community so wanted that to happen. Um, but in the short term, I think we'll be, it'll be like more, a little bit of a collaborative process with these, these protocols.
0: And in terms of the trading behavior with these pre-market, um, IPO tokens or or IDO, do people kind of just trade it as if it was already an existing token? Like if the company is doing well or they make a big announcement, then the token goes up or is there some other strategy involved?
1: No, that that that's like uh, in theory what should what should happen, right? Um, you know, it's it's the beauty about like public markets, right? Is it's the ultimate price discovery mechanism because people and and institutions can both trade. News comes through, right? Price would go up, price would go down depending on you know sentiment of the news, uh, and that same uh, methodology
0: should be taking place during like these pre-token uh, markets. So I imagine that there's already a process for something similar in the traditional finance world um how does that process look like and i mean i can already see a bit how it probably contrasts but maybe you can describe the traditional finance world how does that process currently work and then maybe if you can contrast how cuz obviously we we're in defi we believe that defi is usually bringing a lot of benefits so how the the defi version is much improved
1: yeah great question so like during like a public uh like offering right now right like a company like Stripe would go to the big banks, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, and help them underwrite their IPO, right? They would go on what is called like a road show where they go to a bunch of institutions and they go, hey, would you pay like this much for this asset, right? Um, Etc. cetera. Um, and that's kind of like how they bring this price discovery forward. Um, and in reality, it's like pretty inefficient, right? Like if we look at, you know, like recent like big IPOs, um, they're like pretty underpriced. These companies leave a substantial amount of capital on the table and it's and it's designed to be that way. Um, like we love using Airbnb as an example here, right? IPO to the bank at $68 a share, hit open market at $140 a share. Um, given the amount of shares Airbnb issued, they left $3.7 billion on the table, which is over 100% of the amount of capital that they raised during their IPO, right? Which is when they sell those shares to the bank at that initial price, right? Um, and so there's this like wild uptick, um, between like, even, even when like retail can buy, like retail couldn't even buy to like $140, um, which is a like, pretty inefficient. And then, you know, it ended up like trading down after that. Um, because like there was, it was like a lot of like, you know, hype and, um, they like purposely like oversubscribe these like, like offerings to like have this initial like bump, um. Where in reality, right, if you're allowing for retail and institutions to participate, like pre-public trading, um, you're like bringing that like first like two weeks of like price discovery forward, essentially. Uh, And so like a company like Airbnb uh, or Stripe, for example, could look to be like, hey, look, there's, you know, thousands, millions of people trading on this protocol, you know, pricing Stripe at this like valuation. This is a data point that they've never had before that they can then go and utilize uh, during their public offering to be like, hey, like let's IPO. Closer to this price, uh, because this is what the market is already willing to pay uh, for, you know, the share or the token in some cases. Right. Um, And so that's like the beauty about what we're, you know, what Cypher is doing in in DeFi, right, Uh, is enabling that, you know, price discovery prior to, um, you know, the big banks, like, you know, doing their roadshow and everything like that
0: so in essence you would be kind of playing the role of the bank but inside this open finance alternative version uh where hopefully i don't know the the decentralization goals in the long term but i guess that people would people will also be able to benefit by somehow in, you know being a part of the community or improving the protocol as well Like they can be more um inside that process rather than being held held back until it's already you know, the banks have done their work, and then they have their own system for trying to get it to pump after and whatnot. Yeah, um, exactly included. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, I I, I think individuals um, should be able to invest in assets as they so choose, right? Um, we have like accredited investor rules here in the US, which dictate if you're, you know, not a sophisticated investor, you can't like participate in private capital markets, which I think is Pretty much garbage, right? Like, we don't stop people from going to a casino, gambling their net worth away, right? Um, so, why should you be able to tell somebody that they can't invest in a startup, right? Uh, especially, you know, like people uh, under, like, as long as you, like, educate people about the risks of, like, a startup, like, it is what it is. Um, and I think that that's, like, something that is, you know, totally, totally reasonable for the average person to participate in. Uh, and right now we have, like, equity crowdfunding, which I think is, a step in the right direction, but generally speaking, you don't see like top tier companies going through equity crowdfunding. Uh, you see, you know, tier, you know, C and below, maybe tier B uh, occasionally, um, and they're kind of like, it's in my opinion, a little bit predatory. Um, I think some of the you know, equity crowdfunding organizations are trying to make steps to better that system, but right now, it's not great. Um, and so, like uh, enabling access. Uh, financial exposure for for retail to these late stage, uh, you know, bigger pre-IPO organizations or or you know protocols, right? Um, that's a lot safer of an environment, right? Like Stripe isn't going to go under tomorrow, right? They're you know they're worth. I think a hundred billion plus dollars, give or take, maybe, maybe a little less than hundred billion right now. Uh, ByteDance, I think is like well over a hundred billion dollars. Um, and so, you know, these are in these groups have raised substantial amounts of capital. Um, and, and also on top of that, the protocol is, you know, liquid, right? Like you don't need to participate in like lockup periods. Um, so you can come and enter and exit a position intraday if you so choose, which is really important for like retail. Right. Um, because in like traditional private uh, investing, you like lock your capital up for years at a time. Um, and that that can be hard for retail, right? Like maybe they have an event that happens in their life. They need to come into contact with that capital quickly. They can't do so under like traditional mechanisms uh, easily. And through Cypher, they would be able to just, you know, come back to the, the platform, liquidate the position to the order book, right? Uh, and be able to like exit and, and come into contact with that capital
0: immediately. So it makes sense when we're contrasting with, the the, the tra- traditional finance IPO system, um, but you also said about pre-ido. So with an ido, I've noticed at least in Solana, it's quite often they have some quite nice. Uh, I think Mango started with quite a nice implementation of doing the ido that seems like pretty fair. But still, if you look on CoinGecko, it seems like the IDO does not actually discover price very well because the price tends to go down after the IDO. So in terms of Cypher offering a market pre-IDO, I'm guessing that it would just lead to sort of better price discovery before the IDO and then hopefully like a, a more stable price after. Is that, is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I think what Mango and and uh, I think Aurora used it, I know Genesis Go is about to do their IDO here, like what, January something, third, second, yeah. um, through the same like mechanism. Uh, I, I think that this is like a good step, again, in the right direction. But at the end of the day, right, these like batch auctions can still be like a little like confusing to like retail participants, um, and having like a futures market uh, where you know there's an order book, you're trading just like you would be trading a spot token or another derivative contract, right? Um, I think it's it opens up for that ease of use and understanding of like, hey, like what's actually going on here, um, to be a better price discovery mechanism uh, as well, right? And then something we're like looking to do for in the future is actually implement uh, physical delivery. Um, so like currently everything is like cash settled on Cipher. Um, even for like the initial like pre-IDO markets. Um, But in the future, you know, we want to work um, towards like being able like a protocol uh, to like lock their tokens in to, you know, Cypher and actually raise their IDO at the end of like expiration of like their pre-token market, right? So contract holders would be able to come into contact uh, with those tokens um, that they have been trading these derivatives around uh, which is like more akin to like traditional futures in finance. Whereas like if I'm trading um, like futures on on oil, right? Like I can take delivery of, you know, a thousand oil barrels if I want to. Um, I don't have to, right? I could just sell the contract. Uh, but if I wanted to like take delivery, you can do that. And I think that that would be a, a, a really awesome like mechanism uh, for like just like doing your price discovery for your IDO and actually having an IDO in the long run.
0: Yeah, I recall maybe it was a year or even more ago when oil went into negative territory and then people's futures expired and they, was, they had to find places to store like warehouses full of oil. So Oh, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah.
1: that was that was funny. A buddy of mine um, and we actually were like, OK, like how many contracts do we have to buy while it's negative for us to make enough money buying these contracts to purchase land? and like shipping containers. So then just store a bunch of oil barrels and then write contracts for these oil barrels when it goes back like positive.
0: Um, but yeah, yeah, that was that was crazy. That was a wild time indeed. So the idea here is that you would be trading the pre-IDO token and then potentially you could somehow redeem it for the actual the actual token at the end.
1: Yeah, that's that's like the long term view of like the pre-IDO markets as well as like pre-public. I think, you know, like for like traditional like Web2 companies, we are a little bit far away um, from seeing, you know, them do like tokenized like equity offerings, but you know, the, the like long-term process right here is, is like, hey, look, we, we're this like ultimate mechanism for price discovery, um, instead of like going to list on the NASDAQ and then like multiple exchanges, if you wanna get that international exposure, like Apple uh, or some of the other big companies, right? Just go ahead and list in like a decentralized manner uh, and have like that global audience from day zero. And you could do that offering uh, through, you know, Cypher.
0: Okay. And how would I create the actual, uh, the actual token? Like what, what backs the token? Yeah, great question.
1: So the assets, um, on Cypher are collateralized with, uh, stable coins, specifically USDC to start. Um, we will open, um, you know, support for other stable coins, um, that are native in the Solana ecosystem. Um, probably next big one would be like USDT, um, you know, looking at, uh, Pi from Parrot, uh, finance, um, you know, ratio, uh, has USDR. Um, the new exciting one I think is probably UXD, uh, the Delta neutral algo stable coin, um, which is like really interesting to me, um, and you know, as more stablecoins become native on Solana, or there's you know decentralized stablecoins that are built, um, you know, in the ecosystem, we will you know begin to open up support. And then in the future, we'll again you know open support for like multi-collateralization with assets that aren't necessarily stablecoins. Um, but in the early days, I think it's important um, from like a risk perspective to to utilize stablecoins um, just because if there is like a drawdown in like the crypto markets. The collateral at least isn't going to be like necessarily impacted by that Um, from like USDC, uh, for example. And so I don't have like there's just like one less thing that the protocol has to worry about. if Like if you're collateralizing with, uh, you know, like Solana, for example, um, you know, maybe they put in like their 400 percent collateralization ratio at 250 and then we had like that market sell off and now people are under collateralized just because the price of Solana has dropped. Um, you don't have to like really worry about that too much, uh, with, you know, USD denoted stable coins.
0: So it would look something like I lock up 500 bucks worth of USDC and I get $500 worth of, uh, Stripe, say pre, pre IPO token.
1: Ah, so a little different, right? So we have these concepts of minters uh, and then like you have your traders, right? So a minter uh somebody that is looking to like hedge a position or create markets, right? Will come, they would lock in that excess collateral mint a position. That position then hits the open order book where it can be bought and sold uh by the traders, right? So as a trader, all you have to do is you have to deposit USDC to your margin accounts. Our margin accounts are um very similar to Mango markets uh, in that sense. Um and then you can buy and sell assets uh, out of your margin account uh, across the different markets that Cypher supports. Um, and through those margin accounts, right, we enable like cross margin. Uh, so you know, your wins can help offset your losses, um, you know, your long positions can help you gain more, um, you know, capital efficiency for for leverage, um, for example, um, and then that like you are over collateralized in the sense because you know we're looking at more than just your usdc that you have deposited right it's your assets um that you also have purchased uh via the protocol and then those minters really are like the market they're liquidity providers to a given market by locking up that that collateral being usdc for the time being uh and really creating
0: these positions for people to trade and if I lock up the USDC to create the position, is it similar to uh, is it similar to like providing liquidity on a AMM where I'm my my benefit is to earn the fees or what, what is my benefit in this in this case?
1: Yeah, so mentors and uh, on Cypher will earn um, their pro rata portion of 20% of the trading fees uh, that the market generates, right? On top of uh, potentially, we're we're exploring solutions uh, for like liquidity mining, so incentivizing uh, with our own token on top of the fees that they would potentially earn, uh, but nothing like that is set in stone yet. Just the you know twenty percent of of trading fees that uh, the minters are allotted right now.
0: Okay, I think now is a good time to bring in. Serum uh, because I think that will also help to help people to understand how it how it's all working So maybe you could just describe like what functionality serum is providing for Siphon.
1: Yeah, great question So so we aren't really an exchange per se, right? We're derivatives protocol um, that utilizes uh, Serums order books to uh, Actually have, you know, these markets be tradable, right? Um, and I'm a big fan of the order book because at least under current like implementations that's the only way to like truly bring price discovery forward you need people in there uh placing bid ask orders uh to bring like the what the market is willing to pay for an asset forward right uh if you're like an amm uh you just like put up like hey here's a thousand dollars usdc give me x amount of tokens on the back end right and your amm uh curve is really what's going to price that um whereas an order book you have like you know, the people that are like, hey, I'll buy this asset for this much or I'll sell it to you for this much, right? And that's what really brings that price discovery forward. And and that's like why we're built on top of Serum. Another like added benefit um, of building on top of Serum, right, is they um, recently launched their permission markets and permission cranks, uh, which enable Cypher to have update authority on the market, right? Uh, And what I mean by that is that that's how Cypher um, can, in fact, like, cause expiration of a market right um and so you can like set like a date for you know a market to expire and halt trading um and then you know then the market can be financially settled um which is you know really awesome because again like you know as as d5 becomes more popular um uh, with you know more sophisticated traders institutions and even retail right you're gonna want to uh, have the same amount of the same type of products that you have from the traditional world in, um, in,
0: in DeFi as well. Right. Serum is something that it's definitely worth reading more about. If you haven't, it's, it's a, it's a piece of the Solana ecosystem that I think doesn't really exist on any other chains. Um, you kind of have this, like this backbone, uh, that's providing price discovery that any, uh, any team can hook into. So yeah, definitely something well worth checking out more. Uh, so we spoke a bit about the pre-IPO and pre-IDO. Is there any other different markets you would like to expand into in the future?
1: Yeah, I mean, we have, like, like the beauty about it being a synthetic, right, is we're we're not constrained to, constrained to supply, right? Um, and so, you know, we're constantly monitoring, uh, like, what exciting markets we can create derivatives around, I think. You know some of the big ones that we've been paying attention to are you know NFT futures uh, like rarity tranched across like an index to gain like exposure to um, you know like the degenerate apes or Solana, Solana monkey business right um, or you know hedge your risk if you own an NFT right um, they they can be volatile and so you know people want to be able to participate in that in that price exposure right and I think fractionalization of NFTs is doing like a lot to help like other people get involved. Um, but again, like with, you know, where we want to be in, in the future, even like fractionalization of NFTs are still limited, right? Unless you're going to fractionalize it like, you know, a million times. Um, and so having that like synthetic exposure to an entire collection uh, enables just more people to participate in, in the price discovery and financial upside and downside uh, of these, you know, N- NFT collections Uh at large. Uh, Another one, you know, we're looking at is inflation, right, for, you know, traditional like fiat currencies. Um, The institutions, high net worth people um, have the ability to, you know, utilize specific financial products to help them hedge against inflation, whereas like the average person doesn't necessarily get those. Um, And so, you know, that's, again, one of the beauties about, you know, blockchain and, and DeFi, right, is, Kind of this unbridled financial engineering creativity that you can kind of standardize um, these like OTC contracts and allow for everyday people to you know, utilize them. Right. Um, and so, you know, inflation products, um, you know, allowing people to hedge inflation on the US dollar or euro or et cetera. Right. Uh, I think that those are something that'll be, you know, really interesting for maybe more sophisticated or, you know, retail people as well. Um, but also like a good, you know, way to excite like traditional institutions to um, the protocol and DeFi at large. Um, I think, you know, obviously like this one, this one's like a no brainer is like creating expiratory futures on spot tokens, right. Like similar to to Zeta, for example. Um, although there are some like cool things that, you know, we can do with, um, you know some of the other like protocols out there. Uh, when we do like figure out the delivery uh, piece, um, you know we could integrate with uh, Synthetify and have delivery of like the synthetic tokens, right, um, to contract holders at the end of the day. Um, and I think that you know that's something that's like really exciting. Um, you know, Psi Options is is working on some stuff like that uh, with their with their options you know protocol. Um, and I think that you know I'm sure Zeta is also gonna gonna look at physical delivery their team is super stacked and um i i love talking with those guys they're they're super cool um and yeah i I think that those are like some of the big ones but i mean like again it's it's unlimited potential for the protocol right we could create uh derivatives around real estate um you know you could even do like event-based type stuff uh, for like sports um and and whatnot if you structure it properly um so i think that there's a A lot of really cool applications and markets that can be spun up
0: and is it permissionless in the sense that any market maker who wants to set up a market can lay down the usdc and create the market or is this something that's determined by the protocol
1: yeah so initially and and for at least the foreseeable future um we are going to enable the DAO is who is going to be like initializing markets right so somebody can come with a proposal um and be like hey like this is research this is a market that we want to create um and then let the community vote to initialize or you know not right a particular market i think that this is really important uh one because you know we want to make sure the community has like that buy-in and and is dictating what the protocol is enabling um because like at the end of the day we don't like it's not like that helpful to have you know, some like pre-public market spun up for like some pre-seed startup, right? That, you know, has seven years till an IPO, right? And like price discovery for them isn't like that important. And there's like their name isn't that big, right? And so liquidity on the market will just be low. And so um, it's not, I don't think it's like super necessary to have like a bunch of like, like a long tail of like relatively illiquid markets when, you know, it, it's for like price discovery. Um but again, right, like in the future, um, to enable, you know, other protocols to be built on top of us and utilize like the, the primitives that we have built, um, I think that it, it can become more permissionless uh, in the future and in, in the long
0: run. Yeah, that definitely brings me directly into the topic of, uh, say, for example, a Cypher token or what is the plans in terms of the DAO? You mentioned a DAO, so I guess you guys already have some thoughts around that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so our site, like our native site token, um, at least in the short term will be, you know, utilized for governance purposes, like voting to initialize, uh, new markets. Um, you know, we're also going to roll out like a tiered staking mechanism, uh, very similar to that of like serum or FTT, where, uh, you can, you know, reduce your trading fees via the protocol, uh, as well as if you're moving substantial amount of volume as like a market maker, you could potentially earn rebates as well, um, depending on the tier of you know the amount of tokens that you have, uh, right? To really incentivize, you know, long-term holding of, of SIFE's native token. Um, I think that, you know, again, one of the things that we wanna do in the future um, once the DAO has built, you know, good reserves is then, you know, pay that like dividend uh, to people that are staking and and holding that token long-term. And these are things that the DAO will be able to, you know, propose uh, and vote to adjust like the fees and the payout structure for for that type of stuff. Um, And that's kind of like where we're at in the like short-term thinking. Um, And I think it's like pretty important to like, kind of stay like focused on those to make sure that it has like enough utility um to incentivize that long-term holding i don't want to like we we may or may not run some like liquidity incentives on the minter side maybe even the trader side don't know exactly yet um because i don't want to like have something like some like a bunch of tokens just like flood the market from liquidity incentives your tbl ramps up and then you know token price drops people you know begin to like move on to like the next thing um we really want to have like sustainable growth and, and, and you know, create long-term value for for the token holders, uh, especially if they're, the you know, the ones that are getting in early and utilizing the protocol, um, you know, upon launch.
0: Yeah. And as they're sort of playing a role in curating the, the markets, then I guess they're also, yeah, it's important that they feel that there's, there's real long-term value in the token. So speaking in the here and now going forward, uh, in terms of the Cypher product, how is it looking right now and is there plans for like a, a test net or what when when are you guys planning to go to mainnet
1: yeah so um i think we're shooting for for mainnet in uh, q1 uh, probably on like the later side of q1 um we'll get out as early as we and quickly as we possibly can um i think we're going to be going to devnet here actually pretty soon uh which is really exciting um i know like the team has been working long hours and they've been Uh, really busting ass to to get that going um so pretty excited about that um and you know we'll probably do something um you know similar to what we've you know seen some pretty awesome success from like drift um with like some like pope style uh nft that you know benefits like the people that are participating in devnet or an early mainnet um when we do like have our token go live um and something I think is really exciting. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about price discovery um, and like helping protocols and, and pre-public organizations understand what their value is. This is how we're going to launch the scythe token as well. We're going to launch a, a pre-token market, a futures market for Siph, and we're going to let the let the market dictate. Um, you know what you know the value of. The protocol is for the idl um, and i think that that should be like really exciting uh i'm a big proponent of eating your own dog food right
0: yeah i was just gonna say that sounds like dog fooding yeah, yeah. i mean it feels like it would almost be inauthentic to not do that right yeah, I mean, yeah otherwise yeah. if you're trusting your product you have to start that way that makes absolute sense cool that's that's, that's uh, very exciting to hear yeah well i'm super pumped to try it out i, I was looking at uh, i think your blog came out like a there was a recent blog post in in the last few days and there was a couple little like snippets of the product and it looks really slick very clean uh nice easy easy design so i'm very keen to take it for a spin even if i'm not the most experienced dated dated futures trader but it looks quite accessible
1: yeah you know that's like one of the big things we we you know tried to do for our mvp um it's you know going to be like similar-esque design to like that of like a traditional retail application, right, like a Robinhood, a public.com, right, to really, you know, onboard new users, as well as, you know, give current DeFi users some like really good UX, I think that a lot of protocols have been doing a really good job of that uh, in the Solana ecosystem. Um, Like Drift, for example, I absolutely love their UI, I think Zeta has a great one, Um, mangoes as well, right. Um, And so, you know, having like a little bit more retail centric um v1 um is is you know i think what we what we shop for and then we will roll out like a pro version with candlesticks and everything like that more for more technicals um like quickly uh, i would say after after launch um but yeah definitely i mean like you know just trying to make like the ux ui like as easy as possible because i think a lot of like non-crypto native people get you know They look at something and go, shit, I don't understand any of this, right? And they get, like, scared. Um, But in reality, like, it's no different than, like, trading, like, you know, stock or options or futures that you would on, you know, a centralized exchange or um, even, like, a traditional world, like TD Ameritrade or E-Trade or something like that. Um, And so I think that that's, like, something that can can go a long way in onboarding new people to the ecosystem. Uh, Because, like, you know, like... Obviously, we're going to fight for users in DeFi today, but, you know, DeFi is like really small at the end of the day compared to like the traditional world. And it's really there's so much pie to be grown, right, that, you know, yeah, we are going to fight for the people, but we also want to be this like awesome onboarding mechanism uh, for the, you know, potentially like non-crypto natives, uh, people that are just like dabbling, right? Maybe they have a Coinbase account. Um, to get them involved in like DeFi, right? And I think that that is also one of the, the key reasons we we thought about like these pre-public markets is um, as sad as it is, right? You know, we live and breathe crypto every day. We're on CT all the time, right? Uh, and we're like pretty, you know, in the know about a lot of protocols and I can't even keep up with everything, right? And, I, and this is all I do. Um, but like the average person, if I walked on the street, I'm like, yo, have you heard of Mango Markets or Uniswap or, you know, name your protocol, right, probably going to say no. But I go, hey, have you heard of TikTok or SpaceX, right, or uh, Stripe, right? And the likelihood is much higher that those people will will say yes to that type of um, product, uh, or like that type of like organization, right, and allowing that to be traded in, in a decentralized manner, I think can help, you know, onboard and grow the pie significantly for, you know, the Solana Eco and, and DeFi at large.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of something like Mirror in the Terra ecosystem, where you can trade like Airbnb and Amazon. And I think this is also a really great way to bring people in because these are tech stocks that people around the world might have interest in trading, and they recognize it immediately. Like they they understand the branding. Um, and as you said, it's not these foreign, like crypto, very DeFi specific um, brand brands. And also with DeFi as well, you have like all these different appended things at the beginning, like, you know, Curve, something, Euro, which I think is also very intimidating for people to get their heads around. Um, but as you said, like on the flip side, I've noticed a big, big improvement in the last months with DeFi and Solana in terms of the UX and the approachability of, of the design. And as you already like shouted out, like Drift, it looks really nice. Um, I was playing around with Friction a couple of days ago, which looks great. Uh, a, a bunch of those um, teams that are building on side options have made really approachable designs so not naming any names but if you compare like maybe to a year ago or a bit a bit even less than a year ago like six months ago i feel like the, the game is improving and like the level has improved a lot
1: yeah absolutely I, I couldn't agree more and it it's super awesome to like be in the in an eco that like you know, is really pushing to make everything like as accessible as possible. Um, and that's what, you know, that's like one of the big things that's like super exciting about Solana amongst many others, like the amount of like gigabrains or <laughs> that are that are building in the ecosystem and um, in, in et cetera, right. Uh, but yeah, I, I think like UX will go a long way in, in adoption and usability.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, even you, you see like something being criticized like there's not enough open source teams and then instead of being defensive, people are just like, yeah, there should be more team. And then it just becomes encouraged, and more and more teams start open sourcing. So I really like that positive response, where it's like, yeah, that's true. And then we actually like move towards improving it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and Cipher will will be open source for for mainnet launch um, as as well. You know, that's something that I'm like a big proponent of. I think it will enable more people to build on top of it. More. Interoperability with the protocol um, and, you know, general trustworthiness, I think it, it goes like a long way. Um, you know, th- these are at the end of the day, just kind of like Legos, right? Like we want people to build on top of it. And, and, you know, maybe somebody has thought about how to utilize this in a way that we haven't, right? And they can, you know, utilize the infrastructure,
0: the primitives that we have built uh, to, to do exactly that, right? 100% I think composability will be key. There was a recent talk from Carl Simani all about how composability will be key in the next year. And it's a big advantage of Solana as well. So yeah, 100%. It's really cool to hear that you guys are also building um, and, and launching in a like an open source way. Uh, so I think we're about at time here. Um, I wanted to hear a bit about uh, Mountain Dow before we before we head off, because I think that's a really cool uh, initiative that you've been working on.
1: Yeah, dude, of course, of course. So uh, Mountain Dow is a Solana Serum uh, ecosystem hacker house that uh, a buddy of mine named Edgar from MarginFi, uh and I are hosting uh, in Salt Lake City for the entire month of February. Um, we have locked in a you know half of a floor at a co-working spot it has like 40 open seats. We got eight offices for like breakout rooms. We have like conference rooms for people as well. Um, really just looking to bring a lot of awesome builders. Um, and not just devs, right? I mean, like builders from like design, marketing, PR. Uh, obviously, your devs, right? Um, but getting a, a, just a large group of people together to you know push the ecosystem forward, bring new people in, into the ecosystem, and you know just build cool shit with people that are people that are awesome, right? Um, we hosted like a hacker house like last year, not for like crypto specifically. Um, but it was like a great time and, you know, I've been to some of the Solana hacker houses that they've hosted, um, and it's been awesome to see. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, something that, you know, we, we really enjoy and I think it'll be pretty awesome. We've got, you know, a good amount of awesome sponsors so far. Um, obviously Cypher is a sponsor MarginFi, um, Genesis Go, um, they're going to provide like a, an RPC endpoint for the hacker house specifically, which is super awesome, um, uh, Sino Global, Factorfy, um, a legal group that's going to do pro bono legal work for people that are looking to, you know, set up entities. Right? Um, there is a, they're called Freeman Level, um, and then uh, LCAP Ventures is another sponsor. And we're chatting with like a number of other people uh, in the ecosystem as well to, you know, make sure that it's as free as possible. So we've covered like the. workspace, Um, and then with like the rest of the you know sponsorship money that we get, we'll look to acquire housing first for people that that's like a make-or-break thing for them, right? Uh, And then you know as more sponsorship money comes in, we can like just like open up more housing for people. Um, We're gonna host some events, um, and then also probably gonna do some like group ski days uh, as well, because you know it's the premier hack to ride uh, winter house. And so it should be should be a good time um, in Salt Lake City this winter.
0: And there's nothing like being in the open in the open mountain air for thinking clearly and having having good new ideas.
1: Oh yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's like why I'm I'm permanently based in in Salt Lake for a myriad of reasons. One of them being like the outdoors. You know, it's like uh, some people you know meditate in a studio. I I go outside. I ski. I climb. Right. Uh, that's like that's like my meditation and so
0: it's 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 a lot of fun and definitely you know breeds that creativity 100 percent, yeah so uh in february if you've got any anything that you're really passionate about or good at you're good at storytelling anything um i'm sure you can bring something to the table and uh, based on my experience at breakpoint there's a lot of very passionate excited people in the space so it should be a bunch of fun so Barrett, can you share for the people who are very interested in Cypher based on our chat and they wanna get involved in the community, they wanna be involved later on maybe um, to be choosing uh, pre-IPO markets. uh, Can you share a bit about how they can get involved?
1: Yeah, of course. So um, you could definitely like follow us on Twitter um, at Cypher, C-Y-P-H-E-R underscore protocol. Um, Our Discord link is in our bio, so definitely jump in join the community. Uh, there, um, we have a website with a blog, cipher.trade. Um, we're writing, you know, pieces like cipher-centric pieces, also like just general DeFi education stuff um, as well. Just trying to make it as accessible, like the Solana ecosystem, as accessible as possible. We do like weekly AMAs, um, you know, with with partners and other you know protocols in the Solana ecosystem. We actually have one coming up tomorrow, although I don't know if this podcast will be live then, um, for like the whole team AMA, um, which will, which will be pretty cool. Um, yeah, those are like the, the easiest ways to like stay up to date on what Cypher is building. It's like our Twitter and, and our discord. Uh, so definitely hop in there, uh, shoot us a DM, get in discord, hit some GMs, you know, um, be a part of the community. We got, we got a lot of really awesome people so far and, uh, really eager to, you know, ramp up that
0: uh that community aspect and get more people involved awesome awesome all right then thanks a lot mate for coming on it was a real pleasure yeah dude thank you so much for having me really appreciate it i hope you enjoyed this episode if you liked it make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app right now for extra points follow us on twitter at solana cove a reminder anything said on solana cove is not financial or tax advice Solana Cove is strictly educational and is not investment advice. Keep in mind, you and you alone are responsible for your assets and always do your own research.